Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And um, Josh, Pastor Josh, has been uh, teaching on the subject of what? The armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's my task today to speak, to teach on the shield of faith. Look in Ephesians 6.16, Paul says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith. All of the Roman... Uh, the equipment, the Roman armor that Paul is, or Paul is talking about is, I mean, in other words, it's a, it's a parallel of all of those, uh, the equipment that the Roman soldiers had. And in this case, the shield of faith for the Roman soldier was a shield that they made that covered the whole body. It was, uh, so that's why it says, with the shield of faith, you quench the fiery darts. Anything that comes at you, the shield of faith covers everything, and uh, I love this aspect. I'm not going to preach on this point, but I love this aspect that the Roman soldiers shield, uh, that they would lock them together many times and join with their other fellow soldiers and uh, so to form like a wall so that the enemy could not penetrate. I mean, certainly the message is very clear there. Uh, that we stick together. One put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. It's important to pray together. You, know, you pray privately, individually, in your homes uh, every day. But it's important to pray together and uh, partake of some of the prayer meetings that go on around here throughout the week. Join your shields together. Can somebody say Amen? Huh? And I love this passage. This is all just prefacing before I get into the subject. That this verse 16, the first thing it says is above all. Now, there's a number of pieces of, of armor, but on this one it says above all. Isn't that interesting? Why would it say above all taking the shield of faith? You've got the sword of the Spirit. You've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, all of these things. But why would he say above all? We know how important righteousness is, uh, truth is. Uh, salvation, helmet of salvation. Why above all taking the shield of faith? It's because all of these other things are acquired or tapped into through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says it's by grace through faith that you're saved. And so, you know, without faith, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it's impossible to please God. And so you're understanding faith what it means to live by faith, <clears throat> excuse me, walk by faith, pray by faith, understanding those things really is paramount in having any kind of healthy spiritual relationship with God. And that's important because faith is one of those subjects that in the body of Christ has been taught in many different ways. And I'm just going to be honest with you in saying that there's a, a lot of stuff that's out there about faith that is really not on target. It, it, you know, it'll lead you astray. 
you know, uh, and faith is a very important subject. So here's what I'm going to do. There's, I've taught on faith for so many years. Uh, from the beginning of my ministry, it's been one of the uh, more important truths that God has spoken through me. And so today I want to break into this shield of faith, and the way I want to do it is I want to focus today. I thought there's a thousand different ways it seemed like I could do this, but I want to focus on one of the passages of Scripture in the New Testament that I, down through the years, have loved the most. This is one of my favorites. Are you all ready for that? Everybody say one of Rick's favorites, right? So it must be good, right? All right. I've always, I've loved this. I think I actually preached from this passage, I mean, 46 years ago, something like that. And so I've been revisiting this for all these years. And here's what it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse, for you guys at the Proverbs Center, it's the second, the second screen. In other words, I'm going to verse 16. Sorry, I... I, I've, any of these guys that do this pro presenter back there, put the word, I'm very difficult. They say, oh no, Rick, Pastor Rick's, because they never know where I'm going to go. But I'm going to verse 16 through 18. You got that? All right, good. You're good? She's smiling. Okay, we're good. Here's the passage I love so much. Look at this. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, don't you love that? Is working for us. Man, this is, this is loaded. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Is that loaded or what? Now, as I said, I've preached from this passage many, many times, revisited the Scripture, meditated on it so many times down through the years. But I saw something here not too long ago that really interested me, and that is that, you know what? It all of a sudden dawned on me that these three verses, really what Paul is doing is he is giving you a clear description of how your faith is supposed to work. He's talking directly about faith. And to prove that to you, now we're going to go to the first scripture I was going to give, and it's here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Now watch this. This is preceding just what we, said, what we read. Paul says in verse 13, And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, so he's talking about the subject of faith, the spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Anything, anybody knows anything about how to use your faith in God, you know, to, to move mountains or to bring breakthroughs through prayer or have things change? knows that this is a classic description of living and walking by faith. A spirit of faith looks like this. You believe what God has said, and then you speak what God has said. That's it. He said, we have the same spirit. What same spirit of faith? He's quoting David out of the book of Psalms, where David said the same thing. He said, I have this spirit of faith. I believe, and therefore I speak. 
Paul is saying, just like David, he moved in his faith this way, so this is the way all the children of God live by faith. They have to come to the place where they so immerse themselves in the Word of God, not man's tradition, not religiosity, but they live in the Word of God until the Word of God becomes their daily bread, and then they all of a sudden that Word is like a seed in their heart that germinates and springs forth and bears fruit, and that fruit, first fruit of that seed is faith. And faith blossoms in their heart, and they believe God's Word without doubting, and then they speak what they believe. I mean, you know, that's pretty simple. And let me just say this. I'm not going to teach long, teach long on this. There's a lot of things I'll mention I'm not going to teach long on. I, I told Donna, my biggest challenge when I studied this, my biggest challenge was trying to narrow this down. You know, and, but let's talk just a moment about the speaking part. The speaking part. The, he said, I believe and therefore I speak. Any time in Scripture where you hear the subject of living by faith talked about, you almost always will hear something said about your mouth or something said about your words. And one thing that many Christians do not understand, they think they can come to church, they say, okay, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust you, I'm going to believe you, but then they have no control over their tongue and they allow anything to come out of their mouth that just comes out. Because first of all, many of them don't even realize that it does make a difference. But the Bible is very clear in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says, the power of life and death are in the tongue. And what comes out of your mouth, you know, Jesus himself, he said this. You, I could go on and on with these type of scriptures where Jesus said, he said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles the man. James, in James chapter 3, he said, the tongue is like a world of iniquity, and it sets on fire the wheel of nature. What does that mean? What's the wheel of nature? That's your whole biological system. That's you. He's saying the tongue is a little member. He said it's like a rudder on a ship. The little rudder turns the whole ship, and it does it the same way. A rudder doesn't turn a ship on a dime. It doesn't do it instantly. You don't, a rudder doesn't turn, and then everything goes in a different direction. You turn the rudder, and the ship gradually, slowly turns and catches up with the direction of the rudder. And James is saying that's exactly the same way that your tongue is. Your tongue is like a rudder. You set it in a certain direction, and you may not see it uh, uh, real apparent because it's very slow, but gradually your whole life and your whole body will turn around and catch up with the direction your tongue is set. Thank you for your tremendous response. That was really good stuff there. Neil. And so he said, I believe and therefore I speak. So this is what Paul's talking about. I believe, therefore I speak. And then he goes to this next couple of verses. But let's look what he says next after, uh, after what we just read. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, look at this, knowing, knowing. So now watch this. 
Folks, take note of little words in the Bible. This is not necessarily a little in number of letters, but it's one of those words many times we won't focus on where he says, my faith is functioning in my heart and my mouth knowing something. He said, it's knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Now, folks, many times we'll read passages like this and pass over that because you think, okay, you know, praise God, Jesus raised from the dead. But we must understand what Paul is saying here. Dear heart, if you want to learn how to live by faith, which will change your whole life and change your whole world, let me just stop and say this. Folks, just going to church is not going to cut it. Just hearing Pastor Josh preach or me preach or Pastor Tori, it's not going to cut it. You're just going to have a little Bible reading, you know, and a little prayer time. But yet in general, just being religious, you know, many Christians are like that. It's like Christianity to them is a little, kind of a little devotional life, faithful to God, to, to church and all that. But they don't understand that we are in a battle. The reason the Bible says that faith is a fight of faith, the reason there is an armor is because you're in a battle your entire lifetime, whether you realize it or not. And then you're in a war. And faith is your weapon that fights and cuts the head off of the enemy. And Paul is saying here, he's saying, we have this spirit of faith that works in our heart and our mouth, but it works on the basis of knowing some things. And right here, I won't break it down fully yet, but listen to this. Right here, he says, it's, it's I, our faith functions knowing two things, knowing what Christ did on the cross when he was raised from the dead. You ready for that? And then secondly, knowing that because of the cross, we know that we're going to be raised in the resurrection after we die. Are y'all listening to me? All right. Now I'll, I'll come revisit that later. Now let's go back to verse 16. I'm having fun. I don't know if you are. Are you having fun yet? Look at it. Look at this. Verse 16. Look at this. So now we come to verse 16. Remember, we're teaching faith out of this. Where Paul starts out, therefore we do not lose heart. Now, some of you maybe have heard me teach before and you've heard this. But when I learned this years ago, it helped me so much in my Bible study. That when you see the word therefore, know that it's there for a reason. Right? See, look, you, you stay with me. I'm very deep. When you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. What therefore means when it says therefore do not lose heart, therefore is always referring to what has just been said previously. When Paul says here, therefore, we do not lose heart. Paul, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, no, no misses, misses. He's saying, Folks, I have found a key, the secret to being able to live life through all the ups and downs. Even when all hell breaks loose, I've learned the secret of never being shaken, never getting discouraged, never getting down in the dumps, never freaking out, never getting bored. I've learned how to live every day through everything, not losing heart. 
He said, now you want to know how I do, how learned that? That's in the word therefore. He, therefore means I do not lose heart, and I'm going to tell you, and what I just read to you is the reason why I don't lose heart. So therefore always refers to the previous statement as the reason for what is being said. Does that make sense? What did we just read? He's saying, I do not lose heart because we have or live in a spirit of faith that believes and speaks on the basis of knowing what? Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, don't miss this because here's where many people get off track concerning the life of faith. They think that living by faith is believing God for things to change, believing for something to happen. And their whole mentality, therefore, is that they're straining at faith, trying to produce something. And faith becomes more about them than it does about God. It's faith in my faith rather than faith in God because I'm trying to muster up enough faith so I can change, we, God can change what's going to happen. Faith is not believing that something is going to happen. Faith is believing in what has already happened. Faith is resting. See, Paul says we, I, we have the spirit of faith which believes and speaks, and it does that knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. He's saying my faith is not straining at trying to produce something in the future. My faith is resting on the solid rock of the cross. Everything I need to happen in this life has already been paid at Calvary, and my faith is in that. My faith is in what has happened, not what's going to happen. Ah, I love that. Hallelujah. When you understand that, then you understand that you're not believing God to create something or make something. See, the, this mentality produces in us a faith of energy and works of our flesh. You know, folks, there is no perfect faith for us human beings. Jesus honors little faith, but all little faith is it's faith in spite of the doubts. You're never going to get rid of all the doubts, but you do it. You know, Joyce has said this a lot, you know, that you do it through your doubts. Is that what she said? Do it afraid. That's what she said. I knew she said it better than I could think of it. But anyway, listen, do it afraid. Do it through your doubts. So anyway, people get in this mentality where the, that faith is about trying to be, all right, I got to believe, you know, all right, I got to speak. Wait, wait a minute. I got to get my confession right. I got I to gotta get this right. And it becomes a formula. Folks, faith is not you trying to produce something for God. Faith is in believing what Christ has already done on the cross. Everything has been paid for at the cross, and it already exists in heaven. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go on here. Listen, Watch this. So he says here in verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Because of the cross, 
Our faith is in the cross. We do not lose heart. We don't get discouraged. Now watch this. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now look at this. We live in this dichotomy in, through our whole lives of living, having the outward man, you know, our flesh, our carnal minds, the circumstances around us in our world. That's all the outward man. And then we have the inward man where Christ dwells, where we commune with God, where we live by faith. And Paul is delineating here clearly a clear demarcation between the outer life and the inner life. Now, don't miss this. What he's saying is you have to understand these two operate together side by side simultaneously. In other words, living by faith or not losing heart, living renewed every day, is not living with all of your feelings in line. It's living in spite of your feelings being out of line. Now, don't miss this. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you understand, we got these two tracks. My outward man is, is, I mean, it's perishing. It's wasting away. Death is working in it. It's got all kind of crazy feelings. You know, you've heard me say many times before, you've heard me preach many years that I'll sit in a restaurant, time for dessert, and my flesh will say, I want cake. And then my, I'll say, no, you can't have cake. I want cake. And then after, finally, I give it cake. And after I give it cake, the flesh says, you shouldn't have eaten that cake. It's because the flesh is fickle. Are you with me now? And the thing is, is this many people, when they try to say that I'm believing God or walking by faith, they spend a lot of their time trying to bring all the feelings in line. You don't, listen, you don't bring the flesh in line by focusing on the flesh. There's a, there's a really a law that's set in motion. When you focus on the flesh, you arouse the flesh. It's what Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He says that, he said, when the law came, and the law is the word that is pointing, pointing out the flaws in my flesh. He said, when the law came, sin revived and I died. What that means is, is that when you focus on the flesh, trying to correct the flesh, you're just with me now, that what you do is you end up arousing the flesh by focusing. That's why I've said many times, you don't conquer a habit by attacking the habit. You're with me now. You've got to turn and focus on something else. The way to conquer the feelings of the flesh is turn your eyes and your heart toward the Word, and you feel, fill your heart and mind with the Word until you're so immersed, and the Word, the power of the Word, will deal with the flesh. So I said there's our outward man. I'm saying this because... Look, you know, when God is, when I've seen, let's put this way, when I, God has allowed me to see some of the most marvelous things as far as miracles, powerful breakthrough stories, when most of the time when those things happen, usually 
I mean, I was walking by faith in the ways I'm telling you. But usually my flesh was terrified. Usually my flesh is, was going crazy. Not in the pit of my stomach. But you see, living by faith is not necessarily eradicating that not in the pit of your stomach. It's choosing to believe this and keep your eyes on this, even though there is a contrary report that's terrifying your flesh. Now, look, I hope you get that because this will set you free. If you understand that faith can be active and effective, even though all hell is trying to control your flesh, even though you still got all this swirl of thoughts in your brain, that doesn't bother me one bit because I just don't choose that. In my will, I choose not to believe this swirl of thoughts in my head. I choose to believe what God has put in my heart. That's what faith is. It's not feeling or not feeling something. It's choosing the right thing. Well, some of you saying, man, some of you look at me like a cow at a new gate or something, you know. All right, so let's go on. Look at this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Let's talk about this renewed day by day. Now listen to this. Renewed, the inner man is renewed day by day. Now here's a very important part about the shield of faith, your life of faith. That many people have this concept of that faith is just something I do when I pray. It's just something that I, I'm believing for a breakthrough or something to happen or God to do something. And that's only a small part of faith. When you hear faith talked about in the Bible, many times, so many times, it's said like this, the just shall live by faith. Not just speak by faith or act in faith. It said live. You know what living means? It covers everything. The just shall live by faith. And so when he says here, he says, my outward man is perishing but the inward man is being renewed day by day, faith has to be renewed every single day. Just like mercy, where the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. The reason God's mercies are new every morning is because trouble is new every morning. Matthew 6.33, uh, 6, uh, Jesus said that sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. You know what that means? It simply means it's Sunday. So there's Sunday trouble. Are you with me now? And you can't fight Sunday's trouble with Saturday's faith. There, you with me now? There, there's Sunday's trouble and there's Sunday's faith and there's Sunday's mercy and there's Sunday's grace. That's what he's saying in Matthew 6. He says, seek first the kingdom now, today. He said, because sufficient unto the day, to the day is the evil thereof. There's Sunday trouble and there's faith for Sunday. And so the thing is, is this, is that faith is a vibrant, active um, conviction in our heart that comes from our daily relationship with God. There's something about the spiritual life that is very important for you to understand, and that is that it, it, it's pictured analytically uh, 
or, or now, not analytically, and anyway, as an analogy, I don't know what the long word would be there, but as an analogy in the Old Testament by the manna that was given to Israel in the wilderness, that the manna was only good for the day that it was collected. And it would go bad if they tried to use yesterday's manna for today's manna. And that's the way God works with us. In our relationship, I don't care how much you fasted and prayed and studied God's Word last year or even last month, that last month's faith, last month's mercy was gone with last month's. You have to have today's mercy, today's grace, today, y'all with me now, today's faith for today's trouble. And so the thing is, is this, you know, a lot of people live thinking like, you know, I've even had people ask me, say, when's God going to get through messing with me? It's just like he constantly is messing with me and convicting me and being, bringing me back around the horn again, and I got to deal with more. When's that all going to be finished? And I said, not until you die. Well, why? It's because God is messing. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't need to go back into the gas station today to fill up your car if you could run today on yesterday's gas. Now, that's deep. Just think about that a minute. Your metabolism won't run today on yesterday's meal. You could have pigged out like a hog yesterday. But if you don't eat today, you can't eat enough yesterday for today. Are you all with me now? This is clearly the way our spiritually lives, spiritual lives are. And that is every day, faith is renewed or regenerated inside of us. And when it is, listen to this, when it is, we have today's faith and today's grace for today's trouble. Now, let me say something about this. When you live like this, what Paul is offering us it's not a perfect life, and certainly I'm nowhere near perfect. I, people, there's a lot of people who live a lot better in faith than what I do. But Donna and I have learned years ago to come to a place, a pretty even place, where, where that we don't get hit and knocked off of our faith and freak out. Are you with me now? Or flake out, become a spiritual granola bar, you know? Granola, you know what granola bar is? There's nuts, fruits, and flakes. And there's a lot of those in the body of Christ. What Paul is saying here, he's saying, in essence, a true test of your spirituality and your faith is how even are you with your faith, with your heart, your mentality? How, how even steady are you when all hell breaks loose in your life? Or are you one of those who, when trouble comes, you freak out, flake out, pass out, and then when it's over, you want to get a testimony, give a testimony of how you made it through? Are you with me now? That's not what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying that you, there's a way to live not losing hope by being renewed 
every single day so that when trouble comes, you can go on through, not perfectly, but not shaken to your foundation by what's going on. And that's important, not just so you can say, well, I, I wasn't freaked out or shaken. It's because it is a witness to the gospel and to Christ and against the devil when no matter what hell brings at you, it cannot shake you or torment you or cause you to fall apart. You know, we learned this early on. Anybody who has heard me preach down through the years has probably heard me tell this story, but it's been many years since I've heard it myself because I don't get to tell these things anymore. When I go out and preach all around the country and other countries, I don't get to tell these stories. I'm preaching on all kinds of things. So here we go. You ready? Anybody ever heard the beans and ham patty story? But look at that. Look how few. Raise your hand if you have. Oh, more of you. Okay, all right. How many of you not, have not heard the beans and ham patty story? Lift your hand. Look at there. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing? I'm not going to tell the whole thing. Let me suffice to say this. God, we went, God, after God gave me a vision for this church, to start this church, he told us to go back to Bible college. When he did, the Lord said to me, he said, during this year, I want to teach you how to live by faith. And he said, so I don't want you to have, do anything that gains you some means of support outwardly. He said, I, I want to take care of you. I want to teach you to live by faith. We did that for a little while, for a while, a handful of months. And we finally got to the point that one day that this was it. I mean, just a little bit of gas in the tank, no more food. I come home from school. Donna says, Rick, we don't have anything, any food. And I said, nothing. And she looks, she says, well, and she opens the cabinet and there was one can of beans, white beans, and one can of ham patties. Y'all know what that is. It's kind of like spam. You know, with the jelly stuff inside and everything, spam. So we had a can of spam and a can of beans. And so anyway, I said, well, fix them and we're going to dine like king and, a king and a queen. And we had a little boy, Jeff, at the time, that was it. And so Donna fixes up this big plate of beans and ham patties, and we shared them. She put them on those plates like it was a big steak and baked potato. And she even brought out toothpicks. I mean, you don't need toothpicks for Spam, trust me. <laughs> and we ate that Spam and those beans. And then we sat there, and through the meal, we laughed. Didn't we, Donna? Remember? We laughed. We just, we were praising God. I'm going to tell you, we said, this is great, you know. I mean, it's, our, it's the Last Supper, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, seriously, we just rejoiced. We're having fun. And afterwards, we got our toothpick. I was picking my tooth like I had something there. And then I told Donna afterwards. I said, Donna, I said, I've got to go oversee somebody. And I went over, had enough gas to go over to this place and back. I went over to this guy's house. When I went over to his house, uh, he met me and he said to me, he said, I don't know if you need any money right now. He says, but God just spoke to me before you came and told me to give you something. And he handed me a check. Now, how much was it for? $150. That was a, a huge amount back in those days. And uh, $150. Right that moment, I was so excited when I got back in the car and I went home, I walked in the door and I hid the check and I told Donna, I said, Donna, I got something to tell you. 
And she said to me, she said, well, first, I got something to tell you. She said, I went, she said, I sat down and I said, that's it. She says, I'm going shopping. Now, we didn't have a penny. She said, I'm going shopping. She sat down and she showed me. She said, I wrote out a whole list of all the groceries I'm going to buy, and I'm getting ready to go out and go shopping. I said, with what? She said, God's going to provide. And I said, well, yes, he has. That's right. And I pulled out that check. And we went on. Just we went on. But that was a huge moment, and I've thought so many times. People miss the greater, more beautiful things that God wants to do for us in our life because they get to the moments when God wants to show himself most to us, and they freak out and flake out. So many people, if they get to that moment, it's the Last Supper, they'd be crying, oh, where are you, God? You told us to trust you, and now here we are. We don't have any more food in the house. I'm telling you, I'm quitting school. We're going back into the world. That's it, God. I mean, they just freak out, and they miss out. If they only knew just on, just on the other side of that great Hell breaking loose in their life. Just on the other side is the most glorious victory, the most glorious provision. It's always the way it is. And so Christians are up and down because they, get, they, they trust God a while, and then finally they get to the point where, well, God, you haven't showed up. You know, we made up our minds if we ate that meal, and it was the last meal, and there's no more tomorrow, we weren't going to change. Because I realized God in that moment was teaching us two little young kids, Rick and Donna. He was teaching us how to believe for bread so that we would know how to believe him for souls and miracles and healing later on. You don't learn to believe God for big miracles until you learn how to believe for a pair of socks. I just want to say this. I thank God for a good job, for paychecks, that all you get, all that. But I want to tell you something. I also think that many times a paycheck is a hindrance to you because it's such a great temptation to put your dependence on that paycheck as your source instead of just a means of God providing for you. God is your source. And if you're drawing a paycheck, which most of you are, I challenge you, you need to find some way to place a demand on your faith for something your paycheck cannot produce so God can teach you how to live by faith. Come on, give the Lord praise in this way. Well, that's my introduction. And uh, let's all stand to our feet, if you will. So much more I'd like to say, but hallelujah, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Just makes me shiver. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever get like it? Ooh. You ever feel that way about the Word? If you don't, if you think that's crazy, something's wrong with you. Sometimes I hear, man, I'm in the Word, and I get all, see something, get a revelation. I, ooh, oh, that's good. Wow, that's amazing. If you don't feel like that about the Word, 
then it may be that there's not much life in your faith. Because you only have the degree of living vibrant faith to the degree that you have revelation of this word that lasts forever. You fall in love with it. You embrace it. I told people before that I don't mean this, obviously, but to make a point, I said, sometimes I eat my cereal in the morning. I just want to take a page of this, rip it out, and put it in the cereal and eat it with the cereal. It tastes so good. This thing is not a book of history only. It's not just a book of doctrine. It is a love letter, but it's not just a love letter. You know what it really is? This word is a covenant. It's divided into two halves. Old Testament, New Testament. Testament, literally it means covenant. Old covenant and new covenant. This whole, look at this whole book is the record of God's covenant to you. It's his contract with you sealed in blood. You ever signed a contract? Even one that's not sealed in blood, just by your signature. You expect that contract to be, you don't go away doubting it's going to be fulfilled. You sign a contract on a house, man, you don't go away worrying about, oh, I wonder if they're going to keep up the bargain. You signed the deal. You went to the title company. This one is signed in blood by the infinite God of the universe. And what it says, you can take it to the bank no matter what. If God says by his stripes you are healed, then baby, it's a done deal. You are healed. If God says in this contract that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory, then baby, take it to the bank. It's a done deal. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Let's all just offer it. Just pray, just pray. Father, just commune with him. Right now, I just feel like maybe some of you need to just, uh, maybe you need to kind of clear the rubbish away and say, God, please renew my faith. Forgive me for having such a flawed, small faith. God, I trust you. I give myself to you. I love you, and I bless you. Now, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord God, let your hand rest upon them. Father God, awaken their faith, quicken their faith today to lift them into a realm where they can begin to experience some victories. Father, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Did y'all get anything out of that today? God bless you. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.